Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. We are on episode 11 tonight. And uh, before we jump in, we wanted to let everyone know that we are going to be doing the show in a bit of a different format, similar to what we were doing before. We're going to be cutting things down a bit. Quality over quantity, I dare say. We're going to try to keep this show a little bit tighter for you guys, a little bit more more well-paced, you might say. So hopefully you'll enjoy the tighter format, a little bit less droning on and on. Yeah, I mean, we're both very good at droning on and on, but this is going to take us a little bit of practice, so bear with us, and we hope you enjoy it. We're still going to be trying to stick to each bringing a topic to the podcast each recording um and we're gonna try to shoot for around roundabouts of 20 minutes a topic or so give or take that's right so that's about what uh what you guys can expect that's right so we'll get to the meat and potatoes a little bit faster yeah and i i do like me some meat and potatoes definitely yeah speaking of uh things i like how are you oh wow nice segue i appreciated that bam yeah. Yeah, way to bring the tone of this show right away. (laughs) I got you, son. Got you. So I'm doing pretty good. I am on winter break from my job at the moment. So that was quite welcome. Winter in October? Did I say winter? You said winter. I I, fall break. Oh. I wish it was you can see where my head's at. Like I'm already like, it's December. It's Christmas. Yeah. No, it's not. I yes, it is. <laughs> oh, man. I But no, I insist. <laughs> no, it is fall break, which is, you know, fall is my favorite season. Me too. I absolutely love fall. Uh, when I was married, I actually picked out our wedding color scheme. Mm. And it was, you know, we got married in October. No, November. <laughs> Good, Man, you are good job. Thousand. <laughs> I hope your wife is listening to the. To she'll the show. she'll shrug. You know she's cool. Uh, but you know <laughs> she's like I didn't remember either. Yeah, she'll <laughs> mess it up. We also have a thing about our anniversary. But anyway, um, the um, yeah, we were married in November, and I simply chose fall colors, and it was very easy. We had a very easygoing, low cost wedding. You know, we had this weird idea where we wanted to have money after the ceremony. I don't know why anybody would want that. Yeah, that was that was a silly, silly thing. Tell you what, I hear about these people who like, you know, you hear about the air quotes, typical wedding costs. And you hear like like 20 grand, 25, 30 thousand dollars or more. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Million dollar weddings. Like normal people that that like go into serious debt oh, to see. throw one party. And it's like, yeah. like you, you could cover almost an entire new car off of that. Like, yeah, you know. I, I don't want to get too into the weeds about that, but I do find that cost to be not important to me. Yeah. I mean, I get that it's, I get that it's, you know, it's, it's Milestone. a big day, that sort of thing. But man, like, have have some balance please <laughs> like don't don't go for broke just to throw a party uh, i'm sure that that every bride believes that they're being 
conservative to some degree, right? Like I am sure they are, and I'm sure they're all listening to this show too. Oh yeah, that's why I might as well say <laughs> whatever I want. You know, it's fine. I'm, hey, throwing it out there just for that one person who's I'm listening not saying. Goes, oh my god, I hadn't considered that, but now that these yahoos are talking these about yahoos. it, it's totally occurred to me. Yahoo is a good way to explain us. You know, one thing I've never done in a D&D campaign is a wedding. That is now on my list of things I desire to do. I want to. Yeah, I want to have a character get married. That's kind of surprising to me now that that I. I know we've always done these like long term, in-depth, very sort of human games. Oh, my gosh. Give me a second. It's a telephone ringing. What even? It's. It's literally just I get p- campaign phone calls constantly. Uh, I but I have the Pixel Three, so I just hit my screen call button and then the computer talks to them for me. Wait, so like, so like the guys in our group are calling you and you just hang up on them? No, no, no. Like it'll tell me that this call is from. Um, I mean, you said campaign phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny andrew thanks oh what i mean andrew is political <laughs> campaigns oh yeah screw that stuff. you no. you know you might you, <laughs> here's what's going on actually there's an election <laughs> happening what <laughs> believe it or not yeah we're actually gonna decide who's president of the united states pretty soon and then things will continue to be which insane. is not at all the same thing as a D campaign unfortunately Yes, because, uh, well, it would be a very interesting world. Let's put it that way. It wouldn't be boring. COVID would be the least of our problems in a D&D political universe. I don't even know how to wrap my brain around that. Idea. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm hoping that uh, either I'll have two PCs marry each other or I'll have a PC marry an NPC, something like that. Or an NPC marry an NPC. I mean, that's the other option. That's less interesting. It is. But it could be. Like, if the players, I guess, had a hand in making it happen, that could be fun, right? There you go. If they were the the Emma, you might say. But that that's a goal. I You know, we've had some implication of marriage, but it's always been off screen. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, that's fun, though. It's a good idea. Other than that, my job has been totally stressing me out. Ooh. And that's, uh, I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3 in Ooh, early how- access. How deep into that have you gotten? Um, quite a few hours in. I've restarted several times because I am obsessed with character creators. Yeah. Even though there's not even that many options right now, it's like still fun. And then you get all the unique interactions as you play. And the characters themselves are just so good looking. Like I compared to other rpg character creators that i've seen like there's some mmo ones that are super intense and like gta has a pretty robust one and but as far as games like baldur's gate divinity you know those ones and their previous incarnations this is like photorealistic levels of fidelity like just god they're good looking you know i gotta say just for for my own part you know yeah they are very beautiful i'm not gonna take anything away from that but i definitely like stylized artwork you know oh yeah you know especially in a fantasy world i like a little bit of style over realism so that's just something something lost there for me i guess but it's still a a beautiful game i'll take style but 
what I have a problem with is when a game goes for photorealism, but they do it badly. Like, mm. I, like I'm sorry, but I've got a little bit of beef with you know what really grinds my gears. Yeah, with <laughs> with the Bethesda games. Oh yeah, I'm sure. sorry. Like Elder Scrolls and Fallout, their characters did not look good, and any characters that I made with it like i felt okay about how they looked but i was never like yeah nailed it it always feels like you're trying to mess with silly putty to try to get their face to do what you want them to do and it it's always felt like a chore hmm. i just not a fan i do like the fact that in Baldur's gate 3 there are just options as opposed yep. to here's Sliders. the nose slider it's like okay this is going to look great from the front view. And then I'm going to turn his head slightly and it's going to yep. be a massacre. <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. I remember like one of the first times I made a uh, commander shepherd, I, I made a female commander shepherd in mass effect one and boy, in the character creator, I was like, wow, gorgeous. And then the first time I hit play, the very first camera angle with a close up, <laughs> she looked like a monster. <laughs> it was, it was horrible. And I was like, okay, from now on, we're doing default shepherd head because I'm never going through that again. Nope. Uh, Yeah. Like maybe I'll give her a different hairstyle. That'll be about it. There you go. There you go. But that was that was cool. Um, I've been enjoying Baldur's Gate 3 for the most part. So I jumped it. I jumped into. All right. Yeah, we got you. I uh, I saw people making characters and stuff, and I was like, I at least want to screw around with making characters and That's see if I get, can yeah. if I can recreate some of uh my D&D existing D&D characters and I was not able to because the presets that they have in there currently just they're good but they're a little bit limited oh yeah um so you know I I was able to get a a bit close but all the same what I did make was was cool but i don't think it's robust enough to where you could like literally use this to just as a portrait generator for your tabletop games that sort of thing i definitely get the sense that you're here to you know be in in this story that they're giving you limited options so that they are appropriate for this story for this setting you know you're very much taking your role in 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 a way i like that because I would be disappointed if I could perfectly make my D&D character. But, you know, they're just imported into a very different campaign mm-hmm. where nothing about them is relevant, right? Whereas I could make a character for this game and I could probably play the first character, just learn the world. And then my next character could be very appropriate for that mm-hmm. setting, right? I would have a, that new vision in my head. Yeah. So, but other than Baldur's Gate 3, you know, what else have you been up to this week? Um, let's see. Not not a whole lot. I mean, trying to get some work done, do a little bit of writing. Good. Well, we, I finally um, got caught up on most of the editing, and we finally pushed this show live. So that's yeah. been exciting. Yeah, we got it up cool. onto a whole bunch of different platforms. We got the website up and I've been watching the stats like we've got 
I think today I looked and we had like some like 73 or 78 downloads so far. Mm -hmm. So that's been, you know, going into this, I'm like, I'm only going to see mine and his. (laughs) (laughs) So seeing any kind of numbers like that have been it's been fun. So at this point, it's nothing that's going to allow us to quit our jobs, but it's gratifying to even see anyone pulling down the show and checking us out. So that's been really neat. Apart from that, this Friday is going to be my ninth anniversary with my wife. So we are going to be... Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, We're going to be going out of town for a little bit, getting away from the kiddos. The greatest gift of all. (laughs) So we're going to go to a little timeshare up by... uh, north in california here to a, a lake called clear lake up a little north of sacramento and just you know enjoy a little bit of nature definitely you know still stick to the whole social distancing thing and just you know have some time just with some peace and quiet just to kind of decompress a little bit It'll be nice. so that's the kind of social distancing i like is definitely not with your wife but definitely with everyone else <laughs> yeah there you go you know, that's a that's a pretty good setup. You know, I yeah. I had my uh, fall break this week, but my kids had it last week and it's great that we don't line up, you know. Yeah, dude. It is uh it is just me and her. There you go. And that's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, man. What do you say we jump into this? Let's do it. Yep. All right. Let's who's let's first? get started. Uh I want to say you're first this week. Okay. Well, I am going to come in with a quintessentially andrew topic Ooh, quintessential yeah it's a good word it's a good word. it is a good word so the topic for tonight is called do the dumb thing (laughs) oh now it's makes perfect sense go ahead there you go yes so actually you know what i'll stop you right there listeners you're about to get a treat okay because if anyone in the player base of dungeons and dragons personifies this idea it's andrew please continue i don't know if i should feel horrifically (laughs) offended by that but i will embrace it as a compliment in order to uh continue context my friend context (laughs) so basically what i want to talk about is why doing the dumb thing is terrific Maybe you should preface with a little story. Yeah, I I guess I could. So I was going to save this for later when we try to think of examples and stuff, but I'll I'll lead with it. So in an old campaign we had years and years and years ago, in ages past, I was playing a, um, I think he was a, I think it was a Goliath rogue. He might have been a fighter. That is he was a fighter. Quite, he was quite like, uh, that's quite likely for me. Yeah. But anyway, we were in this prison colony and there was basically a problem with were rats just causing a whole lot of trouble. So we hunt these things down, down into the sewers and everything. And eventually we come across their ritual chamber where they're making all these were rats from. This is where it all goes down. And to make a long story short, I looked around and I thought, you know, really, we just we want to stop 
the were rats from being able to be made. If we just focus on killing all these were rats or whatever, that's not really, really dealing with the problem. What we got to do is eliminate how the were rats are being made. Enter this room, you look around, and on this dais or stand or whatever, there's an altar. An altar. There was this basin of like pitch black water that has to be ingested by the were rats to be in order for this ritual to happen. So I thought, you know, now that you totally understood what it was or what it was for, it was mysterious black liquid, but there was a strong hint as to what it might do. <laughs> right. Well, if anything, I knew enough that it was some major component in right. whatever it is they were trying to do. And I thought, you know what? I'm sure this stuff isn't easy to come by. So uh, we got to get rid of it. So how about I got I got a cast iron constitution. Let's just drink the black liquid. So he picks up the basin and drinks all the black liquid. Just shotguns the whole freaking thing. It's definitely one of those like moments as a DM where you're just like, you're looking at your notes like, nope, doesn't say if player drinks liquid anywhere in these notes. <laughs> so then I you're just like, it. going, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> and hence, hence this podcast topic. That's right. Um, so he slams the where rat juice. And uh, not too long after, I had myself a Goliath were rat. So that was awesome. Um, so that is our little example. But also know your DM, I would say, you know, because I. Oh, sure. A lot of DMs would be like, um, you die. <laughs> sure. Sure. And and this this brings me to a little list. That I made. Oh, well, as, famous Andrew list. As as we are wont to do. So in the spirit of keeping this train moving, I'll pound these out pretty quick. There are two there are two points in the pre-dumb thing consideration list. So the first thing you want to think about the risks and the worst case scenario for whatever the heck it is you want to do. Make sure you really, really think as what is the worst thing that could come from this? <laughs> Second, be prepared for the worst case scenario, mm. such right. as character death. Yes. If you are attempting something that would be typically ill-advised, <laughs> it could very well be that things could go badly. So if you're going to try something crazy. Oh, my God. Be ready for it to not go your way. That is that is really good advice, right? Because sometimes you are trying to say, hey, players, don't do this. Oh, yeah. And then they do it. And then so I like the idea that the player is like, I am prepared to live with these consequences. Yeah, like understand that what you're doing is dumb or crazy. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily dumb, but it might be dumb. <laughs> It's preferably and, dumb. <laughs> preferably, preferably. <laughs> and just, you know, 
go into it with the understanding that you might be taking a gamble. Yeah. And if you don't hit that nat 20 or, you know, if if you're ignoring the GM when they're essentially just doing everything except for looking you straight in the eye saying, don't do this, you know, <laughs> you're taking your fictional life into your actual hands. That's right. So now that we have thought about our pre-dumb thing considerations. Yeah. Now we get to the real list, which is oh. when to do the dumb thing. Wow. We have not begun to dumb. We have not begun to dumb, but we are about to begin to dumb. So number one, when it doesn't put the rest of your party at risk, think about mm. the people you're playing with. Love the people you're playing good, with. Good advice. Right. If you're, if you're going to do the dumb thing, by all means, but if it has it if it has really any likelihood to to legitimately negatively impact the people that you're playing with in a way that will make the game not fun for them, don't freaking do it. It's not cool. Don't yeah. just put yourself above everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I I really like that. Yeah, because the dumb moment could be, you know, it could be fun to derail the DM, but definitely like this is antithetical to, you know, the other person's character and they would be put in a horrible position of, you know, putting it's like, okay, I just committed a horrifying blasphemy in front of the paladin for my own amusement. It's like, well, now we're going to have some serious problems or the dumb thing I do is going to kill this guy. Yeah. Don't do that. That's don't do that. It's pretty lame. So point number two, do the dumb thing when it would be in character for your character to do whatever it is. If your character has, you know, the stats and stuff to or perhaps lack of stats to back up whatever it is you're thinking about doing, this kind of goes with even what the fifth ed PHB puts out there for guidance on when by the book DMs should give out inspiration points. Mm-hmm. The example they give is when the player makes a decision or does something that is maybe suboptimal or, you know, by the book, it's not the best idea. But I think the key leads, word here is interesting, right? right? Yeah. If you did something creative, something interesting, something wacky and unexpected. Well, they mentioned specifically characters leaning into their flaws. Mm, yeah. And going, you know, okay, is it is this the smartest decision? No. But is this something that my character would do or maybe this is telling as far as like this is a problem that my character has or something they're trying to work through or you know symptomatic of that sort of thing doing the dumb thing can be a great way of working in some kind of realistic flawed role play characterization for your your character right you can kind of help flesh your guy out instead of them just Mm-hmm. being more or less perfect or always making the strategically best decision, that sort of thing. That's right. I think we're trained out of picking the interesting decision a little bit. By, I'm not. <laughs> but I, like, I've noticed this while playing some Baldur's Gate, right? Like 
Yeah. Sometimes there's there's an option they give you and it's it's like really wacky. And I, I just have to click on it because I have to know what happens. Yeah. And sometimes something really interesting happens. And other times just you get attacked by 20 characters and you have no hope. Right. And so I think sometimes we're like, oh, the video game always has the pre built in good choice, bad choice silly choice you know if at right. best you know and you know D, especially if your dm is a is a fun guy you know is a fun interesting person you know you know hopefully something unexpected right. can occur here do you save scum before those choices i try not to partially because the loading time is um it's, substantial yeah it's pretty it's pretty heavy so i really think about that I try not to save scum too much, but I will probably make a uh, mental note for my next character. Yeah, they well, I mean, they also do. Like, I try I to live with the consequences. Larian has also like themselves advise save scumming right now because they're like, we understand that the checkpoints and stuff are pretty far spaced out. Yeah. So, you know, until that kind of gets ironed out, like it's OK to save scum. <laughs> yeah, they're like. Go crazy. I mean, they let you even save during combat if you want. I mean, it's which yeah, is crazy. I think I don't think the other BGs would even allow it there. I don't think there are many games that do. Anyway, no. I, I didn't, didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But too much. anyway, like you, you call it the the do the dumb thing. And there is definitely something to that, you know. And Oh, sure. You know, and I love it. I really love it. But I think really what we're looking at is interesting what we're looking at is unexpected, you know, creative. What is the wackiest, most memorable? I mean, you're all about the memorable moments, right? Right. And how much of that campaign do you really remember? That. That. I mean, pretty much end of list, right? I mean, do you remember what the campaign was called? No. No. I do, but I. that's because I ran it. But even I only remember, like, probably five things from the whole game. But on the top of the list is... The time Drink Andrew the black blanked water. The, the, the black liquid and just the whole table was just like dumbfounded. <laughs> that was when you are a player and you get everyone else at the table to go. Oh, <gasps> right. Or, but not in or a way. Dead silence. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, if you're playing on roll 20 and you can somehow tell that everyone at the table is slack-jawed and you can't actually see them, that's terrific. That's that's a good feeling. Yeah. So point number three is uh, do, do the dumb or interesting thing when it can elevate the plot. Yeah, if thank whatever, you. Yeah, if whatever decision you're making can really add something compelling to what's going on, maybe, you know, it twists something that the gm is doing maybe you know you have a character that decides they've actually got a really good reason to like turn coat and go over to the enemy or something like that like you know things that would be atypical for most characters but you've got a good reason to do it and you make sure that it doesn't violate our other points you know those those things can be great ways to to make the the plot more interesting even for the gm and this this also kind of leans into point number four maybe this could have all been boiled into one thing but just 
whenever it makes the game more fun or interesting. If it boils down to, if I do this thing, everybody will have a better time and it doesn't make the GM's life legitimately harder. Right. Let her rip. Yeah, there's a curveball and then there's a bowling ball, right? It's like, yeah. Or a wrecking ball, you might say. And the curveballs are fun right oh yeah and that's kind of what you're describing here it's it's where it, that first warning you gave where it's just selfish it's destructive it's yep. bad for not just party unity but like table unity you know and yep. also it could result in a tpk these are things we avoid but things that elevate that experience that make it memorable and and special you know that's this is the kind of stuff that we that we love in TTRPGs, you know, we want to, these are the stories we tell to each other. Oh, yeah. So just to wrap this up, I just put together a couple kind of cues that you could maybe look for to know when these sorts of situations might come up. I know we're getting close to time, so I'm going to try to just rattle these off quick. You're fine. Hail Mary situations where it's like you got these last ditch. If this works, Everything is saved. If it doesn't work, what the hell, you know? Pro tip, and this is something I told our our group last night when we played. (laughs) Yeah. But this is good advice. And the other, like, career DM at the table was like, absolutely. (laughs) But this is the rule. Throw the Hail Mary pass as the session is winding down. Yeah. If you begin a fight with your crazy idea, with your Hail Mary pass, most DMs will be inclined to have an excuse why it doesn't work because the DM is thinking that he needs to fill time. He or she needs to fill time. If you do it and there's 10 minutes left in the session, almost certainly you will get whatever shenanigans you're going for. Yeah. Because the DM also wants to wrap up the evening. Right. And sometimes your crazy thing could be just the answer they're looking for to put a button on whatever it is they're doing. Mm -hmm. what's going on Mm -hmm. and then they get to feel like they were smart about it right oh Oh, i i'm a cool dm i allowed this but it was really your idea and he just used it nailed it you know which i by the way full disclosure totally will do (laughs) (laughs) i love it so hail mary situations really good number two just for drama sometimes people act irrationally when they're in tense or trying situations. So this can add to a character's humanity and be a good opportunity to play into a character's flaws. So when it makes for some really interesting, dynamic character moments. Then when the stakes are low, so you can just do the dumber, crazy thing to kind of spice things up. If things feel like they're in a bit of a lull, throwing a little curveball in there when... Everybody is kind of not expecting anything when things are kind of at a lull. Yeah. You can go bam and, you know, do something wacky and it can really put a fun little spin into things. And then lastly, just to give the GM a surprise or make things more fun for them. Those are the prime moments when the GM would seem to be thinking there's no way anyone would blank then but you then, do that thing <laughs> but then you realized andrew was at your table and, and you go, uh oh <laughs> and what a gift <laughs> what a gift um so that's uh that's what i've got 
That's do the dumb thing. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. I'm glad. You can't have free without the dumb. That's right. That's right. Those two things go together and... We'll put the dumb in freedom. (laughs) Well, really, our whole draw to the TTRPG is freedom, right? Yeah. But I do like that we emphasize the dumb there. That's great. That makes it that makes it more fun. That makes the game uh, more unexpected. Yeah. I have been trying to learn to let go a little bit more as a DM and to consider maybe the players could just drive my plot. (laughs) Yeah. And listen to what they're saying. Have NPCs just be like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, go. that's a good idea. All right. That's what next session it's probably going to look like now. There and you go. those little screwball ideas are, are great at carrying that motion, that momentum. And I mean, full disclosure, that's on the rare occasions that I run. That is basically how I do it. <laughs> no, like, I know. <laughs> you know, just and, you know, you, you've been kind enough to say this before. Like, generally, when I do run, the sessions typically tend to end with everybody having had a fun time oh definitely yeah we all have a really good time because i mean mind you it was it was goblins up front so we were there for the memes but they also became our dreams yeah there you go so you know just uh be open and you know let let freedom ring baby let freedom ring i love it couldn't say it better so what do you got for us tonight so i want to talk about dialogue oh you know we we talked about party talk last time and when we were chatting about party talk we were saying that you know you know kind of when to talk to each other and to get to know one another to involve one another there's a lot we could say about that this is about helping the scene move along and be interesting Ooh, this yeah, so we're really th- thinking of dialogue as action. That is the main takeaway, you might say. Dialogue as action. Can you Yeah, dialogue is action. Define that a bit more. I will, I will. Okay. So there are three types of text, okay? There is text, which is what is said. Okay. There is subtext, which is what is meant or implied. Mm. And then there is context, which is you know, the setting and, you know, your motivation, you know, your your outlook, you might say. Everything okay. that frames what's being said. Right. So okay. there's a difference between dialogue, the way we're, we're going to define it, and conversation. Okay. okay. So a conversation, you might say, is a is a exchange of ideas. But dialogue is the exchange of ideas that are meant to address a challenge, that are there to solve a problem okay okay so they do a thing now when we are listening to a conversation how are you doing andrew oh i'm doing fine here's the fun stuff i did oh that's really neat that's cool there's no goal that's trying to be accomplished there yeah we're just catching up we're letting you guys get to know us So, so to that end there's there's that action but you know you would you wouldn't see this often in a film right right but we do tend to do it a lot in role-playing games, uh, particularly when we're doing things like going shopping, seeing the bartender, mm. whatever it is. Now, 
this topic is not about, you know, what accent you use or what idioms you employ, Mm. any of that. Although those are very important aspects of dialogue. It's about us as players and DMs running NPCs thinking, what is the the current goal of this conversation? Mm. What do the players want? What do the characters want? What are they trying to get done? So when you are delivering a line, what you want to do is think of it in terms of an action. And what are these actions? Well, they could be lots of things, but one of the simple ones is attack or defend or manipulate, Mm. seduce, deceive, persuade, deflect, right? Mm. One of my favorite characters in in Baldur's Gate 3 right now is Shadowheart. Mm -hmm. And all she does is deflect, which would be annoying. But once you start making your way past the shell, it, it, it does feel rewarding. But I will say in the game, the dialogue is often quite tight and neat. You know, there mm. aren't these endless diatribes and monologues that we see in a lot of role-playing games, even ones that I very much enjoy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of games where you can click on a character for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, the few that I've experienced so far do wrap pretty quick. They do. Now, part of the challenge here is that in Baldur's Gate 3, it's it's all pre-written. And a lot of the advice that I'm saying comes from people writing screenplays. Yeah. Um, I, I went back through uh, Robert McKee's dialogue. Mm. Robert McKee's a big name and learning how to write book type stuff. So I would check that out if you're interested in writing or want to get more of an insight here. But not all that translates perfectly into the role-playing game, right? Mm. Because essentially we all have to improv. Right. We we don't have time to sit there and edit and to figure out our subtext. But these are things we can practice and we can keep them in mind. And as we repeat this, as we um, exercise, it'll come more naturally. Mm. So some things I would I would say is to avoid endless banter, right? Where it's just, you know, the the shopping list, the discussion about the weather, mm-hmm. unless that discussion of the weather can be subtext for something deeper that is said. I just watched a clip from the original Rocky film because mm-hmm. I was looking up good examples for, for subtext. And there's this scene where Rocky is a- attempting to flirt with Adrian. Okay. But, you know, Rocky is not, a, a Casanova, you know, he's not a poet. He's not, um, what's his name? Cyrano de Bergerac, you know? Sure. Yeah. He's Rocky. He's, he was basically a thug and he learned to be a boxer, but he likes this woman. And of course, Adrian has even less game than, than, than Rocky has. I mean, she's just completely introverted, just totally shut off. And, you know, he just, he comes into the store where she works, the little pet shop where she works. And he just starts going off about, you know, Hey, you know, you, you want to come watch a, a movie with me? You want to go, uh, oh, you want to go to a basketball game? Uh, well, you know, these birds, man, uh, they, they, they kind of look like candy. What do you think about that? You know, he's just saying <laughs> all this sort of nonsense, but you know exactly what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's trying desperately to get any kind of response out of Adrian. He's trying to get her to talk to him. He's trying to flirt mm-hmm. and he's bad at it which is great for his characterization sure which takes me to the goal of dialogue dialogue basically does either of two things you're either showing characterization or you're delivering 
exposition, particularly if you're the DM. We often love to use NPCs to provide information, right, in the form of exposition. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty you know it's a pretty perfect tool for that sort of thing. It definitely is, but you need to be careful here. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that you do not have an NPC deliver long pages of dialogue. Just info dump. Just info dump them. Yeah. One of the things that Robert McKee says to do is to only deliver the information that is absolutely necessary once the uh, audience is ready for it and is asking for it. Mm. You know, and we have even more control over that moment in Dungeons and Dragons in, a, in this sort of improvisational role play scenario. Mm. It's like when you, if you've ever been uh, audited or interrogated, you know, the main advice given is to say as little as possible. Right. You see that in every law show and stuff. You could have a list of bullet points of things that an NPC knows. Maybe even some of them you star because it's like, OK, they absolutely must impart this information. But you might have a lot of little bullet points of things that are possible, but you don't offer them. They don't come up, right? And if the player doesn't ask about that, or if they offend the NPC, you know, whatever it is, maybe these things just don't happen. Well, and that's that's a big trope in uh, in a lot of stories, right? You know, whether it's a, a movie, TV show, book, whatever, later on in the story, they go, there's some revelation where the main character is like, wait a minute, since when did you blah, 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 or you could blah, blah, blah? How come you didn't tell me blah, 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 blah? Well, you didn't ask, right? Right. Or I didn't think about it at the time. Like, you don't have to frame it as, well, it's your fault. You know, it could just be, I don't know. I, Listen, I, I run a, I'm a blacksmith. I sell swords on occasion, you know, and we were talking and this, uh, you know, look, look I didn't, I didn't think that you were going to go to the graveyard. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why would I know that? It just goes to show you, you know, there is room and precedent for characters who are involved in the story, who know things that the main characters might like to know, but the main characters neglect to seek out that information or just don't think to get that information. So when you're talking, think about what your character wants. And and this is true for players and DMs. If your Goliath fighter walks up to the weaponsmith, they oh, have I two different you were gonna say the black liquid. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but it could be the black liquid vendor, right? They might uh. have to let's you know what let's go with that <laughs> okay. you know because that, that'll be interesting that is interesting so you're a goliath fighter what does he want a drink he wants a drink well i want to make a profit but i don't really have anything refreshing to drink and i know that your goliath fighter is bigger than me and can kill me mm. but i also think that your goliath fighter might be dumb mm. so i am going to try to use my wits to get you to buy my basically rat poison, trusting that your constitution won't kill you. And I'll explain the bad taste by saying that it's medicinal. Mm. So now I have my strategy, right? And because of that, now I can employ tactics, which is what we talked about last time. That's right. But we can direct that into our verbiage, right? When we have our exchange, you're just like, give me something to drink. And I'm like, well, I do have something, but you wouldn't like it. And then like, you might be, 
like try me. Well, you are a pretty strong guy. So I have this idea, right? And now all of a sudden we're getting characterization. We're establishing our goals. Here's the action in that dialogue. I attempted to offer something and then I hid it away. And then you, you insisted, you, you became more aggressive that you wanted it. And then I flattered you, right? So Mm. we're having a duel. We're actually in combat in a way. It's just nobody's dying mm. until you drink the liquid, of course. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, all of a sudden, that dialogue is a lot more interesting. But I was prepared for that to happen. Sure. And, you know, and sometimes the vendor is just like, yeah, I have a jar of lemonade. It's two copper. And you say, all right, here's your two copper. And I go, all right, cool. So then I would just say, in that case, did we need to have that exchange? Could we have just said, you buy it, spend the money? You have it. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, there's a little bit of that goes a long way to building the main character's relationship with the place. Well, what you're saying there, though, is that you want to employ characterization. Right. And so if you are approaching the lemonade stand with the intent to do more than buy lemonade, then by all means. Sure. But if your intent is just to spend gold in the PHB, then do it. Yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. And I love that because the the lemonade vendor theoretically has nothing to offer you game mechanically. Sure. But this could be a moment for you to establish a relationship with an NPC or to show characterization, perhaps get a clue as to the history of of, uh, or the culture of of the area. But if that's what you want to do then make it a point to engage the NPC that way. Mm -hmm. If your intent is, I just want to buy lemonade and that's it, then move along. Okay. Right. There is a, there's this anime I really like. It's called School Rumble. And there was this uh, character that could read minds and they would appear as a word bubble above their head, but it would always appear as they spoke, which was like a lesson in subtext. Because Mm. this girl could always tell what a boy was really saying to her. Oh, weird. But one of the one of the great anime tropes is the class president who's always like the straight guy. You know, he's always takes his job super seriously. Mm -hmm. And so every other boy that she's encountered is basically saying words are coming out of their mouth. But the word bubble is always like, I think you're hot. I want to take you on a date. So she always sees right through it. But he goes up there and says, the, the class festival's coming up. And the word bubble says, the class festival's coming yeah, up. Yeah, they match. And <laughs> it's know, the first it's just, time and that's ever happened. Right. It's just literally, he says what he thinks, right? Which is funny. But what typically happens when we're conversing, like when you go talk to that lemonade person, maybe you're flirting with her, right? Maybe you're trying to get her to divulge information. Maybe she's related to someone you're actually interested in. Mm. Who knows, right? There there can be a lot more here. But let me get to another kind of sub point in this, which is, and the reason I bring it up, because last night we had a campaign, which I thought was enjoyable, but there was a lot of faffing about, right? There was a lot of just letting players kind of meander and, you know, there was some characterization that happened, but it did drag, you know, mm. and it did take a long time. And, and I was like, okay, as a DM, I probably should have had more intervention there to keep things moving. But a lot of that needs to be with the players as well. It is good to show characterization, but brevity is, what is the, what the is the soul uh, of wit? 
The soul of wit. Exactly. Brevity is the soul of wit. This is a Shakespeare quote, but you remembered it before I did. I write things from time to time. (laughs) Yes, you do. But brevity is the soul of wit. You know, get in, say your piece, have the exchange, and then get out, right? Mm. And then it's time to move on to the next character. Maybe invite the next character in. By the way, you're very good at this, I find. You you can definitely wax poetic and... Sure. You could be a bit long-winded. However, you are very, very good at roping in fellow party members into conversations. I've been trying to do that more within the past, like, year or two. That's been something yeah, been that I've been trying to do actively within the past year or so, mm-hmm. where like I recognized that that was something that I wanted to be better about. So I've made that kind of an active focus for myself, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm glad that it's been working. So here's a here's an important piece of advice that I saw about, let's say, not making dialogue go too long. Okay. And this is something that a lot of people in our party are very bad at, actually, and that mm-hmm. we could all work on, which is not to repeat. Do not get into circular arguments. Do not repeat your arguments. If you would have had me guess, that is actually that what I would have guessed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But the thing, the, the, the actual piece of advice there is not to think of things in terms of lines, but in terms of beats and not the story structure beats, but the beat in a conversation. So if you say something to the effect of, I need to talk to you, and I say, I don't have time, I don't want to talk to you, and then you return with, this is very important, it is urgent, they speak with you right now. And I say, absolutely not, I refuse to speak at this moment. And then you come at at me with the same argument, and then I say it again. Yeah, then you're just repeating. You've used different words, you've used different synonyms, but we repeated the beat. Yeah. You made the proposal, it got rejected, you had your one time to kind of insist and up the ante, that got rejected, and you're basically trying to redo the upping the ante step. Right, and and that is often our strategy. Like, in, when we get into combat, you make an attack roll with your sword. On round one, it misses. Round two, you do the exact same action, but this time it hits. Right. This is not true in dialogue. Right. (laughs) In dialogue, you get one sword swing. No means no. Next round, you need to use a different weapon or a different Mm. technique. You have to try something else. Mm. Now, if you do try the same thing, maybe your DM might ask for a die roll, right? Maybe this is a good time to do persuasion, intimidate, whatever. Right. This is a good opportunity for that. But definitely when that, if that roll is lost, let's say, it is not your cue to double down. Gotcha. It is your cue to pivot or to try something different or whatever. Or to quit. Or to quit, you know, to back off. This is not optional. Right. And that's that's okay because we got to get it moving. Yeah. Let's get to the dungeons and the dragons. All the character stuff is super important, maybe even the most important. But let's not forget that we're also here to do what the game is named for. Right. And they're all important experiences to a session of Dungeons and Dragons or any other type of role-playing game like this. I realize that there are a lot of sessions where role-playing is just king, and that's what we do. Mm. But if that does happen, let us make sure that our words are actions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do you have any 
questions about that? I don't. Honestly, it got me thinking much more in terms of verbs and having the goal of, okay, what is it I'm actually trying to accomplish in this instance in mind while the dialogue is going on is really good advice because it it's kind of like when you're when you're in combat and maybe it's not your turn but it's going to be and you need to think about what you do next it's almost like a mini version of that where when somebody responds to you you should already kind of have a bit of an idea of like, okay, if I ask them a question, there's an answer that I'm hoping I get. If I don't get that response, what is my plan then? What am I willing to say? What else can I offer to this situation? And if I can't offer anything else, if literally all that's left to me is just repeating whether you do so verbatim or not, what you just said, then maybe the answer is you cut it off. If you've got nothing else other than to repeat, that is your cue to stand down and move along. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So avoid repetition, avoid explaining. Now, you know, on this show, we're here to explain things. That's that's what we're doing. But when we're in character dialogue, do not over explain, right? Try to explain as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Also try to avoid conversation that is on the nose, which is just, again, it's just text. It's just obvious. Mm-hmm. Or the subtext is so, you know, thinly veiled mm-hmm. as to be obnoxious and silly yeah players try to avoid overanalyzing every scenario that's allow some mystery to exist you are not meant to know everything the dm would like to surprise you with certain things if every conversation becomes an interrogation it's going to drag it's going to be boring and you're going to kill your own surprise Mm. which is not to say not to be a little bit like try to look for clues but take your couple of clues and move on Mm. you know the the dm will hopefully give you some some hints some ideas of, of where to look by the way dms you have a lot of npcs and you know everything um well maybe you know everything you can have a an npc there that helps get the ox out of the mire in terms of conversation right you can help the players move along by having an npc prompt those those changes however do not be tempted to have an omniscient npc or a very wise npc who will eventually give you the right answer let mm. them speak with their voice and give the best advice that they know how to give, but the advice that they give, the direction they give may be suboptimal. Mm. It may not be the right decision because if you do otherwise, then your players will click on him (laughs) until he gives the right answer. Let them say the dumb thing. Let them say the dumb thing. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I, there are, a few more details I could get to, but I think that that's probably enough information for now. Cool. So, yeah, dialogue is action. That was a very good topic. I appreciate that. Thanks. Cool. Thanks very much. Well, with that having been said, I'm just going to get to the final stuff as far as uh, where you can go to find us and everything. But before I get to that, Adam, you had a little something that you wanted to talk about. Uh. 
Yes. Okay. So we're going to start a Patreon. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes, that is what I'm okay. That is what I'm t- <laughs> I was like, this sh- this is not a mystery or like, <laughs> like we talked right. about this. Let's be straight, everybody. A lot of us are guys and we're getting older and things are changing. <laughs> oh no. No, we started a a, a Patreon or um, you can join at different tiers. We're gonna be offering different rewards on there. The minimum tier is gonna be uh five dollars which is going to get you a shout out and uh, participation in our mailbag. Is that what I put? Actually, let me double check that. Okay. The minimum tier is called Spark. It's for $5 a month. Uh, it's going to get you a shout out and exclusive voting power because Andrew and I can come up with topics forever, but we definitely want to talk about the things that you're interested in. So you can vote on things that we offer. You can also, of course, suggest ideas. And if it gets a lot of traction, at the very least, we'll include it in our next poll. If not, just pick that for a topic for either Andrew or I. So you can get the exact kind of content that you want to get. There's also the Muse tier at $10, which will get you questions that you can ask for our mailbag episode that we're planning on doing, as well as a spot in our private community. So we're going to run a Discord server and you can have access to the Discord server and we'll be active with you on there. And then we have the highest possible tier and we're still kind of working out the details of that. So more to come. But in the meantime, check out our Patreon, check out the options there. We would uh, love to have your support so that we can create content that you are interested and invested in. Absolutely. Cool. Anything else on that one? That's about it. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for uh, hanging out with us. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us. And if this is your first time listening, be sure to download and check out our other episodes. You should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. If you listen via iTunes, please be sure to leave us a five-star review and tell us what you think. That is very, very, very helpful for the survival of a podcast and to keep the podcast high enough on the charts where things don't get lost and we can keep growing this community. And if you are listening to this podcast or you got this podcast through another platform that allows reviews, please post a review there as well. Lastly, you can find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirationpointpodcast, all one word. And we're also on Twitter under at IPRPGcast. So you can uh, hit those up and we are uh, trying to keep an eye on those as much as we can. We are happy to interact with all of you so thank you all again for hanging out with us and well until next time stay inspired bye bye